Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Back at it again with a replant boot camp. Man, I'm so pumped because in just a few episodes, Bob, we'll be in person again, not on Zoom, but it won't just be us like in a hotel room trying to talk around one microphone and make it not sound like we're in a shoebox. We will be in front of thousands of Missourians. (laughs) At least hundreds or maybe tens. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> at least a couple of people so do you say missourians is that what you say yeah i think you could say missourian uh so it's not it's not missouri it's missouri missouri now from what i've heard no, wait a second no no it is missouri st louis missouri it's not missouri sorry i say i've heard that it depends on where in the state you're from it depends on how you actually pronounce the last syllable we should probably ask my wife because she grew up here I just moved here, went to college, married her, stayed in the state, went to seminary. And so I may not be the best guy to ask, but when she hears somebody say Missouri, she says, no, it's Missouri. So St. Gotcha. Louis, Missouri, Kansas City, Missouri, et cetera. But you're from Arkansas. No, I'm from Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know the whole, like, if you're really, if you're deep fried, country fried, white gravy, Southern Baptist, you might say, oh, well, that's a biblical state because Noah looked over an ark and saw, right? Remember that? Have you ever heard somebody say that? <laughs> I've not. I'm, maybe, I'm sure it's been said in my presence, but I don't recall it. It's usually an evangelist who's come in from somewhere and <laughs> thinks he's going to be cute and has probably a saying for every city and state. Hey, I learned a fun fact the other day listening to Back Row Radio. Every once in a while, they did some fun facts. Do you know where Idaho got their name? Jimbo, I do not know. It's a pretty fascinating story if Back Row Radio was telling the truth. That's my source is Back Row Radio. I should probably look it up. But they said that the long story short is a guy who was part of the territory and they were like gathering to figure out what they wanted to name name it. And uh, he just said Idaho. And they said, well, what word is that? And he said, oh, it's a, it's a Native American name. For Jim of the Mountains. <laughs> Wait a second. Jim like J-I-M? No, like E-M, like a gym. Like, oh, okay. Like a, like a I was beast. thinking. <laughs> like a beauty in the mountains, some guy named George Willing. And he just made it up, though. The, the point of the story, and I, I'll, I'll look into it more, but the point of the story is like, it's not a Native American word. It doesn't mean Jim of the Mountains. This guy just made up a word. And... <laughs> And everybody went with it. Man, that's my kind of guy. He's just <laughs> bluffing his way through everything. He's just, he's, you know, and if you say with confidence, most yeah. time people will think you're, you're telling them the truth or you're right. Exactly. And so they're probably technically is not a correct way to pronounce Idaho because it's not even really a word. <laughs> well, that's some kind of funny story, man. I like Well, it, it is. And I'll tell you what, to tie it in, to segue into our topic today, he led with a vision. That vision was compelling, and he got people to buy into it. 
and move on the vision and name their state a made up name. Awesome. That's so awesome. I'm glad we're talking about vision today because I could use some vision right now. <laughs> so we'll talk and see if we can help put some vision into you. There you go. One of the things that is certainly consistent in churches that need replanting or revitalization is a lack of vision. Mm -hmm. And Les McEwen would even say a lack of visionaries or visionary leadership. That's why we say one of the essential characteristics of effective replanters and revitalizers is to be a visionary shepherd, which is really kind of two pieces to, to one characteristics or competency. But the steps we've been talking about in this series is we've been talking about how to lead change. And there are different change leadership processes out there that you can go study more in depth on your own. Please do not lead your entire change process at your church just based off of our podcast episodes. Uh, I would encourage you to do a little more work outside of the few minutes of gold you're going to get here. I think that's a great warning. That's like the Surgeon General warning on the box of uh, cigarettes or poison. <laughs> not that what we're giving you is poison. No, <laughs> and we're not smoking either. <laughs> we just want you to know this is this is dipping your toes into a change leadership process. Yes, uh, you should you should dive a little deeper into making sure that you're being strategic about it. But the previous steps: stop, pray, stop and pray. Just and stop and pray is one that's like it's the first step, and it's the continual, perpetual step. Pray without ceasing. But before you even move, there needs to be, as Jeff Ord said, a, a movement of God, a direction from God. And so we need to get some direction there. So we pray, we define and confront reality that helps us communicate a sense of urgency. We talked last time about building a change leadership team so that you're not doing this alone because you don't need to be doing it alone. Today, we're going to be talking about building and communicating a clear vision for revitalization or replanting. I love this. I, I think that, like you said, most most churches that are struggling and been in decline for a long time, the vision is let's just continue to do Sunday mm -hmm. or let's do let's continue to do what we've always done or what we did last year. And sometimes that's not, not out of a, a heart that is not open to change, but it's out of a heart that really doesn't know how to vision or envision what God has for the church for the future. Mm -hmm. So this is one of those things. If you are a long-term pastor in a declining church and you're struggling with vision, this, this might be something that would help you, but it also might be an indicator that maybe you're not the guy to lead the church forward, perhaps, because if you don't have a vision beyond where you're at now, that's something to think about. And then for the guy that's thinking about becoming a part or a pastor of a replant or a revitalization. This is a critical element that helps you move forward. So I'm excited to walk through this one. Yeah, Sam Parkinson in an article on the replant blog, North American Mission Board said that a visionary pastor, when we when we say that, he we mean that he must be able to paint a biblical picture of the church that is beautiful enough for his people to recognize as beautiful. I like that. I like that clarification of what it means there. I think one of the things we have to understand is when we say visionary, we don't mean that in the secular sense or that you 
necessarily like go up on the mountain and God tells you exactly everything that's going to happen and etches it on two pieces of stone for you, like Charleston Heston. But that a replanting revitalization vision is not about numbers. It's, it's an effective vision will be centered on disciple making and missional engagement. And I think Clifton's definition of success in a replant or revitalization is helpful here when we're thinking towards what that vision is. You know, Clifton often says that success in a replant or revitalization is a, a culture of making disciples that make disciples that make the community noticeably better. And so when we talk about revitalization or replanting, we are not saying necessarily that means breaking the 100 barrier or 200 barrier or that it means a certain percentage of growth each year, or that it means uh, anything in those numeric senses. Not that numbers need to be ignored, but that is, you don't need to also distill vision down to simply a, we're going to have X amount of people in here by such and such date. I don't know that that's as effective of a true vitalization vision as a biblical disciple-making vision could be. Right. That seems more like a goal to me, Jimbo. You know, we're going to have 10 small groups or we're going to have a youth event in the community and have 100 kids. And those are not bad things. And those sometimes it's really important to try to stretch yourself a little bit to meet some goals and objectives like that because it causes you to do something. And I think the, the real key here, what we're saying is a vision for your church causes action and effort and prayer and leadership to, to see God do, to accomplish that vision that God's given you for your local church. But, but again, centers around, what does it center around? Clifton gives us some really good handles here. Disciple making, making the community a better place. Yeah. Revitalization and replanting vision is, it's just about making disciples and missional engagement. That's it. That's what matters. If the church was not making disciples and was not missionally engaged, what does it mean to move towards revitalization and replanting? It means to start making disciples and start missionally engaging because ultimately that's what matters. Neil Cole says the church will only be evaluated on one thing, making disciples, right? And, and so we, we must keep it simple as that. Andy Davis in his book, Revitalize, says visionary leadership is vital in all churches in order for them to bear maximum fruit for the glory of God but it is especially essential in church revitalization situations. Such a church is overwhelmed. It has a track record of an increased weakness, a downward spiral of dwindling fruitfulness. Many of the godly members may feel powerless, aimless, and hopeless. They have lost their sense of mission, and what is far worse, their sense of God's greatness. Ultimately, this is, this is about the glory of God. So back to Clifton, that's why I love what he titled his book, Reclaiming Glory, the, mm-hmm. the Glory of God. So vision is about God's glory. It's about the beauty of the church, as Sam Parkinson said. It's about the greatness of God, as Andy David says. And so don't miss this and sterilize this into a business strategy. Mm-hmm. One of the things as we're talking about this that I'm wrestling with is if we don't have a good understanding of God's vision or God's description of what a, a biblically functioning, obedient, and faithful church looks like from Scripture, then we can kind of go off cue here or go, go off course and 
and end up building something that doesn't necessarily give God glory. It may be, it may be a great organization. It may be something that looks kind of like a church, but it may not function like a church. And so I think going back to Clifton's definition is a real simple one. And it gets it keeps us back on track and, and it gets us to the standard that scripture gives us in making disciples and, and reaching our community, making it a noticeably better place. There's so many books that talk about the intersection of like vision and mission. And I heard you describe this really well one time. And I'm, so I'm gonna put you on the spot to see if you can re-describe it. But we were we were texting back and forth and maybe emailing about the difference between vision and mission. And I think it's a good clarifying point here. So can you remember what you told me back in the day about the difference between vision and mission? I think something I know I've said before is that vision is where we are trying to go and mission is how we get there. Yeah, that's it. I don't know. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. So the two of them kind of go hand in hand in, in a sense is, is that, and then what would you say about the specificity of a vision that is, you know, true to scripture, but specific to your church? The vision you guys have is probably different than the vision that I have for the Groves Church in the sense that making disciples and engaging community, though we're, we agree on those things, but it's going to look a little bit different. Is that vision or is that mission or is that right in between the two where they touch? I think it can be both vision and mission. I think you may have a unique disciple-making vision for your church that your team comes up with. But ultimately, if it's not built off of just making disciples and missional engagement, you've missed the mark. Mm-hmm. There is a bit of it in the church world that this is a lot easier than in the secular world in business, but also in the sense it's not because you really have to believe in it the way that you say it. You really have to believe in and, and listen, slogans and phrases are helpful and good statements are helpful, but you need to believe in the vision and the mission so much that you find a lot of ways to say it, that you really do believe in what it is. So our, our vision statement at Redemption Church is we exist to redeem the church and the community with the gospel by making disciples. Now, part of the reason that was our vision is one, this was a church that needed desperately to be replanted, revitalized, and so we needed, we needed to see God redeem that through the gospel by making disciples. But we intentionally put that capital C church, not that we would redeem the church, and so maybe the wording could even be better, but we knew from day one that we wanted our church to be a church that links up, links arms, and helps other churches. And we knew we were not going to wait till we were big enough and healthy enough, but we would always be a part of advancing gospel work beyond our community even and beyond Redemption Church, but into other churches as well. So our vision we exist to redeem the church and the community with the gospel by making disciples. And then our mission is love God, love his church, love people. That's a good way to, to break it down. And thinking about that, how long did it take you to get there to, to be able to, to communicate that? And then how have your people bought it? And how do you get your people to buy in? And are they able to say the same thing? All those sorts of things. 
Yeah, I think one, that's one of the many reasons you don't need to do this alone. That, and I think you have to understand, this is one of those parts of ministry where the journey is maybe even more beneficial than the destination. And here's what I mean by that. If the, if the, if the desired goal is solely and exclusively a really well-crafted vision statement, you can copy and paste that from somewhere else. And it's been, and, and it will be clear and it will be good that there's a journey to coming up with a vision statement. And I cannot encourage enough, get some outside help. Your director of missions, associational strategist, if you're Southern Baptist, or if, you, if you're in some other network, I, I, I could just about guarantee you, they probably have somebody at your state convention, if not your associational guy, who has training in how to help you do this. And you don't need to do that alone. You need to have your leadership team and maybe even some others be a part of that process. And that process is such a enlightening process and helpful process. If you feel like you're, if either you're not Southern Baptist or you don't want to do your associational or state convention guy, honestly, I would tell you to contact our sponsor of this podcast, 180 Digital. And 180 Digital loves helping churches do that as well. Now, that one's going to cost you a, a little bit, whereas your DOM or your state convention guy is not. But the the process of coming up with that is more than we have the ability to convey in a podcast. And I'm also even, honestly, Bob, a little hesitant. I, I wouldn't want to spell out that whole process on a podcast mm-hmm. because, again, it's one of those where I don't want you to just listen to this podcast think you understand what to do, just do a couple of things, come up with a quippy statement and think you're done. And the mistake I've seen people make is do it alone. Mm-hmm. And, and just cause it's well-crafted and, and I think when we do it alone, it's a little bit of arrogance that we're not willing to let other people change it or put their hands on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a, that's really a good, a good insight in that. Oftentimes we feel like, Hey, I, I just came to this revitalization or replant everybody who's here has been here for a while and the things continue to go down. I might be the only one who could pull back on the controls and help this plane come out of its nosedive. Right. Well, that's not true. And if, if you approach that in the sense, if you come in with this like PowerPoint already and the vision's already, you know, in stone or it's at least in handouts and you've got it memorized, that's your vision of what you thought the church might need. And oftentimes God will place you among people who help shape that vision. And I will say it may largely stay the same, but there's probably going to be some ways that they participate in the shaping of it. And here's what I really know. When you have people participate in praying through and considering through the shape of a vision, everybody buys in. And it, it does uh, a lot to bring you a unity around that vision and momentum and forward progress. The buy-in happens in the process. Mm-hmm. The buy-in does not happen with a really well-crafted statement. The buy-in happens from your leadership in the process of developing it. And then from that point in communicating it clearly. And so when you've got a good vision and a, it, it's going to be clear, and so there, so there will be some sort of slogan or phrase or sentence or something that's clear and it's compelling and it's biblical 
Um, it motivates people to want to do things. I, I, I like to even think about it, head, heart, hands, and habits. I like to phrase a lot of things that way. Um, but I mean, so it needs to make sense. Head, it, it just needs to be clear and simple. Uh, heart, it needs to convey hope and inspire. Like there needs to be something exciting about it. Hands, it needs to motivate to action. There, there does need to be action that comes out of this. And then habits, there do need to be goals attached to it. And there does need to be a, a bit of a, a kind of some steps to take and, and things to do. So one of the things I love at our church, what I'll say is I'll say the vision statement, that Hey, the reason we're here guys is we exist to redeem the church and the community with the gospel by making disciples. Now, how do you do that? What does that look like? Well, that's the mission. The mission is for you to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I'll expound on it. I'll even, I'll go, you know, I'll say, I'll just riff on that for a second. Man, I want you to love God with everything in you. I want you to love him with a high, we'll say, one of our values is that we love God with a high view of him by and through his word. And so when you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and when you love the church with passion and with patience, and you serve the church, and then when you love people, by serving them, by speaking truth to them, by discipling them, by ministering to them, when you love neighbor well, when you love God with everything in you, when you love the church with passion and patience and commitment, and when you love people through making disciples and being missionally engaged, then we will see our church redeemed, and we will see our community redeemed through the gospel by making disciples. That's how we get there, but that's how you do it. That's how you participate. And that, it, so it gets you excited, but it also gives you clear, okay, what do I do? How do I participate? This is not just a corporate idea, but what, where's my steps? What do I do? I think as we come to a little bit of a close here, I think, think through those things of most importantly, what we would want you to know out of this episode is it's super important to know clearly where you're trying to go. Uh, the old adage, uh, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. Uh, so you do need to have something where you're going. You need to communicate vision. You need to do it clearly. You need to do it compellingly. There, it needs to be actionable um, and people excited about it. I would you have to get outside help. It just helps. to Even if you've been trained on how to do it, there's something about, I think, having a DOM or somebody come help you walk through it a little bit, have some outside eyes. And then you cannot... You cannot over-communicate it. I mean, you need to find every possible way you can to communicate it. And so I literally, and here's what I'd say is if you, if it's something you don't feel like you could build into almost every sermon, then you probably haven't arrived where you need to arrive. Hmm. In every sermon, I can somehow communicate, not necessarily all those things, but we're seeing this church redeemed. We're helping redeem the community. We're loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We're loving his church or we're loving people. If I ever preach a sermon that doesn't hit any of those topics, I'm probably not preaching the Bible. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if it's something you don't feel like you could build into every single sermon or at least almost every sermon, then you probably haven't arrived where you need to arrive yet. Yeah. People need to hear it over and over again, not in the same way, but in different ways. Mm -hmm. And uh, through the teaching of God's word, through practical application, uh, through just reminding everybody at the beginning of a, a leadership meeting uh, or, or a, a church family meeting, hey, man, here's what we're here to do. Here's uh, what we're all about. Those sorts of things really help people just begin to get familiar with it and not in a way that it's like 
at their workplace, hey, this is just the corporate, corporate slogan that we repeat every time we get together, right? And what you're doing is you're teaching the vision in application in multiple streams in multiple ways, saying the same thing over and over, but in different ways. And I think that really helps people own it and, and embody it and accept it. Yeah, I think also in what you celebrate. I mean, find ways when you see it happening to celebrate. You know, they say what you celebrate, you replicate. And so find as many ways you can to celebrate it, communicate it, and demonstrate it. Boom. Yeah. Man, we we almost come up with like a rap there, I think. Like a, <laughs> um, could we maybe have somebody, a listener, kind of put that like to um, – uh, auto tune maybe maybe you do an auto tune maybe and and we uh, do the vision auto tune episode that'd be I'd fun I would love that <laughs> all right guys see you next week thank you for listening to this episode of the replant bootcamp podcast a resource for replanters by replanters if you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry please help us get the word out by subscribing sharing and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches, big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.